0: Namotasa Bhagavato alahato samma Namo Namotasa Bhagavato alahato samma sambudhasa Namotasa Bhagavato alahato samma sambudhasa Buddham dhammam nama Uh, this evening I wanted to give a talk on one of my favorite subjects favorite words in the whole Pali Canon which was uh, Nibida which basically means aversion and it's uh, not that uh, you delight in aversion but you delight in the results which that quality of Nibida brings to the mind and uh, it's this uh, word I'm going to spin this evening's Dharma talk around. <coughs> uh, again, one of the reasons as I was telling Ajahn Yana that uh, after, the <laughs> after the discussions, after the uh, Patimoka meeting the other day, which was just the day after the committee meeting we had with the members of the Buddhist Society, that Nibbida was a very prominent characteristic of my mind and <laughs> developing that nibbida, has some very beautiful meditations and I'd like to uh, talk about this point and how to develop it and where to focus it and how to delight in the results of nibbida as a great uh, power to one's uh, development of uh, aloofness, separation of the mind from the world and also as it uh, instructs one about the meaning of this dharma, where it's leading to and the beauty of, of being free from this world. I don't know that uh, many of you, that uh, when I was a very young monk, that I even actually uh, carried around this little booklet of the third Zen Patriarch with those words at the beginning. Which I sort of remember, like the way is easy for one without any preferences, or something like that. I don't remember it exactly. Which I'm quite proud that I've forgotten most of that, because I thought that, uh, that this practice, that that was the goal and also the means to the goal, not having any preferences at all, as if like aversion and desire have no place even in the practice, as if that if you cultivate aversion or cultivate any sort of aversion or any sort of desire that is a a quality which will block freedom however that's not the way this this path actually works there is a a place for desire and there is a place for aversion in fact you've got no choice about this that uh, for those who understand the the meaning of anattā, of the fact there's no self, no chooser, no knower inside of this thing we call our body and mind. But these are just stages on the path which you will come across, which you can do nothing about, than which you should actually delight in. The stages which show the path bearing fruit and you're getting close to the goal. <coughs> I talked in earlier um, talks, uh, this range retreat on, like the place of desire, uh, the, especially in the realm of the, the four idipadas, uh, especially the, the first, the, the Chanda Samadhi, the uh, sustaining of the inclination, the desire to achieve the goal of meditation, the goal of practice, the liberation liberation from first of all the liberation of the mind from the, the world of the uh, senses, from karma loka, which in the <coughs> sutras is called the low world, the hina And to then liberate it from the, the higher realms, the rupa and arupa lokas that this is a liberation which has to be done gradually, bit by bit. And that liberation of the mind from these, uh, these realms of existence uh, it involves uh, the arising of this quality called Nibidā. It's as if that in the old uh, simile of the wheel that we're stuck on this wheel we call samsara always rolling around the lives and deaths, the births and deaths, the many lives in samsara, then just equanimity is not enough to push us off that wheel. But Somewhere along this we need the nibbida, the repulsion, which throws us as it were off this wheel. In particular this word nibbida is something which comes up in your practice towards enlightenment to actually understand the meaning of that word nibida, that uh, in one place where it's made very clear is in the Nikaya in the nines. Which it's in the nines because this is where the Buddha uh, describes the body as like being a, a sore, like a boil with, with nine orifices. Out of each of the orifices is like pus and phlegm and blood oozing out. And he said in this simile, you can understand this simile as like the body with the nine orifices with liquids and fluids sort of running out from time to time. And the fluids which run out are disgusting. Uh, things which no one would really like or would, uh, would value. And uh, he said that you would get disgust towards like a boil which is oozing, you want to do something about it, you want to get rid of it, heal it, lance it or do something, because that is the, the response which you can expect from having like a boil which is oozing, just disgusting things. In the same way that that simile of looking at the body is like a big boil, with these disgusting things coming out of each of the orifices then he said, you should get nibida towards the body and so it's one, one quote amongst others where it's quite clear that this word nibida is not dispassion but it's a very quality which perhaps the best translation will be like aversion just as you'll be averse to a boil Which is smelly and disgusting, so one should be averse to many things which block one from being free. In particular, in that sutta, he said, "Develop nibbida towards the body." What do we actually mean by this? This body, nibbida towards this body. (coughs) Very often, that when we look upon the body, we look upon it in terms of the the elements or the thirty-two parts but I've mentioned here that one of the skillful ways for those who are doing meditation which leads to jhana is to look upon this body as just the, the five external senses and to see just how this physical body of ours, the, the muscles and the bones and the blood is all there basically to keep these five senses going now if the there's any trauma to the body, any great sort of uh, laceration or injury then all the blood goes to the the brain to keep the senses going, the legs are not really that important the arms aren't all that important, even the vital organs aren't as important to the body, as like keeping sensory activity going if you look upon the body this way, the body is here just to keep the senses going and these five external senses are the body when the Buddha talked about these senses, he called them the world this is what we call loka, the world of sensuality, the five external senses the body and the, the five senses connected to that body and the body disappears, if you can really transcend that body and leave this body alone so you won't take up body anymore then you'll still be left with a mind if you're not an arahat you go to the sudhawasa, vasa the pure abode, as an anagami you won't be bothered with the five external senses but you'll be bothered still with the, the mind however, we're going to start with this developing nibbida towards this body in the five senses which are connected to this body. Very often the attachment to the body is not so much the attachment to the the shape of your legs or your hair or whatever or your nose but it is the, very much the attachment to the sensations in the body, to the sights, the sounds which are connected to this body. And this is where that I suggest you develop nibida towards. It's like aversion to sensory experience. If you can just reflect on the nature of these five senses, you know, the, the sounds, the sights, There's, uh, you see all of these things that are beyond your control. Whether it's the sight of huts, whether it's the sound of people, in the committee meetings whether it's the the smells the taste of the food you understand that these things are completely before your control beyond your control they're a burden to you however most people in this world they look upon this burden of the five senses as being something satisfying something which if they can only manipulate and and control and be smart enough they can get the very most beautiful sights and sounds they can move to beautiful places they can go to places not too cold, not too hot they can find ways of just heating their huts, cooling them in the summertime having beautiful lakes to watch over beautiful plants But you know this is endless there's no end to just the search for beauty in the outside All that is beautiful and delightful will eventually fade away The one time that I was really angry as a monk was in my fifth rains retreat when I went to a, one of the last pieces of virgin forest in the northeast of Thailand by a range of mountains called Wu in Khai province in that forest, after walking this is in my two long year, walking for many days and those who know that part of the world will know it is dusty, dry full of potato fields with most of the trees cut down <coughs> and I was uh, told by Ajahn Juin about this place with the elephants, in fact the elephant had just come to that monastery the night before and one of the lay people had come to tell Ajahn Juin about it and the and remember turned around to me, I just arrived at Purtor, his main monastery, and asked if the Prabharan wanted to go and see an elephant. So I decided, yeah, I haven't seen one in a while before. But as soon as we walked into this forest, it was just so beautiful and delightful. It was like a virgin rainforest. It had never been sort of cut down. It'd been as it was, you know, thirty, hundred, two hundred years before I came in there. It was cool. It was fragrant. Just the air just changed immediately. You walk more than ten meters inside of it. There were elephant droppings on the path, fresh ones. And because there's always something in flower, the, the air was fragrant. And I walked maybe I think it was about five or six kilometers to the center of this little piece of jungle, where there was this amazing, like, little lake not a little lake, a big lake and waterfalls and caves and in those caves were waterfalls as the water just went through the cracks in the rocks it was a delightful place and there was a little sunluck there, a little place where monks who wish to be aloof from the world can go and practice it was a delightful place for meditation and as soon as I went there I fell in love with it This was the place I was looking for to practice for the the year There were caves when it was hot There was a beautiful lake there And the village was two hours away It was a long arms round But it was worth it just to come back to this beautiful uh, Glade on top of the mountain With water (coughs) However, when I was there, I was only there for about Six weeks or seven weeks It was the, the villagers decided to burn that forest down they set fire to it the last piece of the forest as far as I knew anyway in the northeast and I was really angry and upset it was a good lesson to me to realize that the world outside, even the most beautiful, delightful scenery, the most delightful monastery I could imagine was just destroyed while I was there my response at the time because I was stupid was anger my response now is thanks to those villagers for giving me a very nice teaching you cannot rely upon the world outside the world of the five senses in particular that was just the realm of sight and smell but also the, the realm of physical feelings which is in my opinion the most burdensome of all these five senses and it's very worthy of developing Nibbida towards this aversion not to just painful feelings not just to pleasant feelings but the aversion to having feelings at all this body is always a burden to you it's not a headache, it's a stomach ache, it's a knee ache It's tiredness, it's too much energy, it's an aching bottom, an aching back. Whatever, however old you are, however fit you are, no matter how much you exercise or look after your diet, this body is basically a burden. It has itchiness in the throat, it has water in the eyes. It's always irritating from one point to another. You always have to scratch it, wash it, take it to the toilet, put food in its mouth. You lay it down and after a few minutes it's not comfortable anymore and you have to turn around. It's either too cold or too hot. In fact, every time you move, even blinking, even fidgeting the slightest amount, you're fidgeting because of the demands of the body because of its inherent suffering because it's a burden if his body was not a burden if he could find some happiness here then the body would be still he wouldn't need to move every movement every wink of the eye every scratch, every swallow in the mouth is always because of the dukkha in the body the dukkha of a physical feeling people like to try and get beautiful food or beautiful sex or take heroin or whatever to try and overcome this inherent suffering in the body whether it's heroin or sex or whatever whatever is overcome is overcome just for a few moments and it's worse afterwards the ache, the pain This is why that anyone who sees the nature of the five senses should be able to know them as, as something which are inherently dukkha. If you see them as they truly are, the Yatabhuta Yana Dasana, seeing these things just as they truly are, with insight, with accurate perception. It's enough to turn you away from these things, to turn you off these things, to go nibbida to this world of the five senses and also everything connected with them. I'm talking about everything connected with the world of the five senses. The world of the five senses just starts with my body but it goes out from there into the kuti in which I I rest in. It is the books on my shelf, it is the, the papers on my desk, it is the tea in my cup, it is the world outside my hut, the monastery, the block chimney, the telephone and all of that business. It is the world outside the monastery, the Buddhist society, the committee, the duties, Thailand, India, the whole world, that's the realm of the five senses just like the body it just keeps on disturbing again and again and again and it's endless there's no end to that world it just goes on, it can go on not just for this lifetime lifetime after lifetime you never settle anything that way isn't it time to try and have some nibida to that world the result of nibida. Is when is aversion to these things, it turns away and that world disappears. If it is true Nibida, it is the cause of these things disappearing, ceasing. If you still have some a hope of finding any satisfaction, any happiness, any fulfillment, any meaning in that world of the five senses and you won't let them go it's very much because you can't let that world go that you end up just maybe on the door to jhanas but never going through never knowing the release from that world you Now just just uh, reading just uh, today about the obstacles to uh, to um, jhanas It's one of the suttas in the Anguttara Threes where the, uh, it's that simile, I think Venerable Bapa was talking to me about it uh, a week or two ago, about the uh, simile of refining gold and this is the, what in Buddhism is called the Adichitta Sikha. it's a training in what we call that higher mind, higher thought just as you got the training in Adi Sila and the higher morality it's basically like sense restraint. and the higher mind is the practice of jhanas and it was saying like the the gross um, obstacles, upikilesas that's the word I'm using for obstacles here the gross obstacles for jhanas the the medium obstacles, the subtle obstacles. And what is a very beautiful little teaching by the Lord Buddha, the lingering obstacle to jhana. The the gross obstacles are just bad conduct of body, speech and mind. That's a gross obstacle. Anyone who hasn't sort of developed um, skillful, good conduct of body and speech, there's no way they're going to enter a jhana, even like uh, bad conduct of mind as well. They're not going to enter a jhana. You've got to purify the body, speech, and mind. Those are the gross obstacles. But I wanted just to to talk about the the medium obstacles to jhana. And uh, if I can remember them <laughs> now, it's just like the first one was like. Uh, karma vitaka which is like the thought of the world of the five senses. But sometimes that uh, you can like let you can put the body in a nice posture. You know, you've got your, your kuti all settled. You know, you fed the body, you got everything sort of right, finished all your business, all your duties in the monastery, and you sit down and you start thinking about sensual things. By sensual things, I don't mean like sexual fantasy. There's anything which is concerned with the world. Whether it's thinking about the letter you have to write next. Whether it's thinking about uh, the telephone call you have to make. Thinking about when you're going to have your shower. Thinking about the huts to be built, where you're going to build them. Whatever is concerned with the world outside is karma-vitaka. These are the thoughts which can obstruct the, the other two of the middle obstacles the Madhyama Upikalesa are uh, Wayapada vitaka and Rihingsa Witaka, the thoughts of like ill will and cruelty <coughs> and uh, these are uh, middle obstacles to uh, the adhicitta the training in the higher mind. I think for many monks, it's probably that karma-vitaka is one of the main obstacles, still concerned with the body, with aches, pains, with itches or whatever. It is why in the development of the meditation on the breath, I make such a strong point of trying to abandon the perception of the body as, as as soon as you can in your practice of meditation. If you want to locate the breath on some part of the body, do that okay, but give it up sooner or later. The earlier, the better. Because if you have any awareness of the body, even if it's just the tip of your nose, that is a line, a connection to the whole of your body. The sense of touch, physical touch, hasn't been abandoned at all and you find that if you're aware of the tip of your nose you're open to be aware of the, the ache in your knee open to be aware of the feeling of saliva in your throat the itch in your nose if you have hay fever the ache in your back the whole body is open to disturb you as soon as you close that door to the body the better and not just close the door to the body but the thoughts connected to the body as well All that karma vitaka has to be abandoned. It's interesting some of the other refined upikilesas is like thoughts about your family. That's a refined upikilesa. Call maybe refined because it doesn't seem to be unwholesome. Sometimes you think that's your duty. The Buddha is saying that this is an upikilesa an obstacle, a refined defilement of the mind which stops you getting into deep meditation The other two are interesting but I'll just pass over them It's thoughts about the, the world, the countryside, the people in the countryside and The last one is, is thoughts about pride These things are like refined obstacles but One of the interesting uh, obstacles, Upikalesa in this list is what they call the lingering one, which is Dharma Vitaka. Where at this stage of the meditation when you're developing the adhicitta, the refined mind, you're developing the jhanas. So often that people can just start thinking about points of Dharma. It's the mind is just still not willing to let go. It's just Hanging on to that last lingering defilement of the mind. In regard to the goal of your meditation to liberate the mind, at this point, at this stage, the Dhamma Vitaka is an obstacle, is an upakilesa. Leave all of that alone. If you notice these things as upakilesa, as obstacles, as defilements if you truly know them as defilements if you truly know what they're taking away from you then the result, the automatic result will be nibida towards these things in the sense of aversion towards wrong conduct by body, speech or mind A sense of aversion to thoughts concerning the world of the five senses. Thoughts of anger or ill will, an aversion to that. An aversion to thoughts about one's family, the country or things of pride. Even Anipida to thoughts about the Dhamma. This is nothing to do with you having aversion to something else. This is just the nature of the mind who knows that these things are like a boil with orifices oozing, disgusting things. And it's the nature of the mind to turn away from these things. Again and again in the Suttas, the Buddha said, the result of Nibbida well first of all, nibbida is the result of seeing things as they truly are. And the result of nibbida is the fading away of these things, Viraga. If you have nibidha to the world of the five senses, to your body, to your duties and responsibilities in the world, of nibbidha even to thinking about the Dhamma, you'll find that you'll be free from these things these obstacles which can obsess you in the gateway into jhanas will just disappear, they will fade. When you have nibbida towards that world, when they start to fade, instead of that world appearing, you're just left with the mind. As I think I mentioned last week, what you're left with is the chitta. Because that mind, once it starts to appear as a, what often call like the nimitta of the mind appears like usually radiant, beautifully radiant, powerfully radiant Pabhasara This is just how the mind recognises the mind when it's free free from the world of the five senses You have to develop that nibbida, first of all before you can enter these jhanas We just uh, chanted on Monday night the Tayana uh, Gata This was the, the verses of this deva called Tayana. I may pronounce that wrong, but many of you know what I'm talking about And it <coughs> begins the verses Chinda Sotang Parakama Cut the stream through effort Kame Panuda Brahmana, like meditator, get beyond the world of karma, the world of the five senses, napahaya muni kame, without abandoning sage, without abandoning, oh sage, this world of, of the five senses, nekata upapajati, you can't attain this oneness of mind. You have to cut that realm of the five senses to be able to gain this this release of like oneness of mind, the liberation where there's just mind and nothing else. And you truly come to a singleness of perception instead of this complexity of, of perception which so um, obstructs and burdens us. Also, you have that beautiful simile of the, the wet, sappy stick, one of the Buddha's most beautiful similes. the wet, sappy stick because a person wants to make fire, and he gets he's already got his dry stick, and he needs one more stick. he finds one in a river. He takes that stick up and uses it as his second stick. He said he can't get any fire at all. It's a wet and sappy stick just taken from the river. Another person comes along looking for fire and this time they get a stick which isn't in the river but which is on the bank of the river. Close enough to still be sappy and moist he tries to get fire with that and still can't, there's just too much moisture in there even though it's not sodden, like the stick which is drawn from the river it's still moist enough to be impossible to heat up and to burn Now the word for burn is jayati same as a word to do jhanas but then he goes a long way away from the bank of the river and a long way away from the bank of the river there he picks up a stick which is dry without any sap and that stick with that stick you can get a fire jhana in that simile if a person is plunged into the world of the five senses the stream. Then there's no way that you can get any jhana going. Just the mind is just too wet and soggy with its concern for sensuality, for sensual pleasure, sensual satisfaction, sensual comfort. Remember, even that like scratching yourself is a search for sensual comfort. If A person has left the world, joined a monastery or just come for a range retreat If they still entertain thoughts of sensuality Fantasies, dreams, thoughts of beautiful food, beautiful women, songs or whatever If you entertain thoughts of these things You are like the stick which is out out of the river but still lying close by it's by the bank of the river. You've still have got sap inside your mind. And you may try and sort of uh, get fire. You can get close, but you can't get right in there. Your stick isn't dry enough. You've taken the mind out of the sensory world by becoming a monk. But you haven't moved it away far enough yet. It's only when you're a long way away then you can find fire then your mind is dry of the concern for the sensory world You move the mind away through this Nibbida Just reflect upon this world of the five senses use a super not just on the physical body but on its sensory apparatus. So you feel disgusted with having to see, having to listen, having to smell, having to taste. Disgusted at having to have a body which has to feel all the time. And if you have that disgust, that aversion to these senses, you'll find you'll move them away. You'll only tolerate them as much as is necessary for your physical survival. But you won't go further than that. As long as you've got a hut which is suitable just to protect you. As long as you've got enough food to keep you going for another day, robes just to cover you, keep you decent, that's enough. You're not going to take it further than that. As long as a monastery is good enough for practice, Leave all the huts and the improvements to after the range retreat. It's good enough. What am I building this monastery for anyway? Is it just to have a beautiful monastery so that people can come here and tell me how nice my monastery is? Or is it just so that I can have the seclusion to do the job which the Buddha asked of us? Of course you know the answer to that one. So you develop aversion towards all of these things. And the more you develop Nibbida towards your family, thoughts of your family, thoughts of the body, the sensory world, or whatever, then as you meditate, you're taking your mind a long way away from the river of sensuality, moving it away your mind becomes dry your mind becomes dry from the world when you attend to the breath the mind leaps towards the meditation object it leaps towards it just as it would leap away from something disgusting sorry, I was talking to someone the other day about a cooler cross one of the real punks of call cool Cross, which was taken from the a body of, uh, it was actually Ajahn Chah's brother who died, and it was actually wrapped around him, and he was oozing, and he was disgusting in his smell. Remember, they opened the coffin, and all, a lot of monks. This was the first year I was at Wat Baphong. They opened the coffin, and as soon as they opened the coffin, all the monks standing around, even the monks. I retreated about 10 meters because the stench was just gross, it was sickening. So that's uh, the body. And if you can have such Nubidha, you'd actually retreat not 10 meters, not 10 miles, but 10,000 miles away from the world of the five senses. And in that retreat, you'll come very close to the mind the more you develop nibbida, to the world of the five senses just the closer you come to the Samadhi Nimitta of the mind the beautiful bright mind and you'll go into that bright mind and you'll have Vivaika Ja Sukha the Piti Sukha, the bliss which is born of being aloof, separated from the world of the five senses. We kamehi. Aloof separated way beyond the world of the five senses is the description of the first jhana. Where the five senses are completely subdued to the point they're like switches turned off and they're not active, the eye doesn't see, the ear doesn't hear, the nose doesn't smell nor does the tongue taste, and the body doesn't feel anything at all. That is an enormous relief, it's like retreating away from a stinking body. If you can retreat away like that, you'll find the bliss of the mind. You will have a mind which experiences its release. The, it's a citta-vi-muti, Only a temporary release, but still something which is really wonderful to experience. When you experience this, you know why nibbidhar has happened. It is the nature of the world of the five senses to be disgusting, to be dukkha, to be suffering. It's not some sort of negativity of, uh, of a monk who is just really weird and uh, who's got some problem But It's just the nature of the mind to do this It's part of the path and If it happens to you, just welcome it as a beautiful sign that some things are happening that wisdom is actually occurring this is not wisdom which you work out. It's not things which you think. It actually goes against your thinking. As I said, I used to carry that book around me. I thought that was a great sutta that that uh, sutra of the third Zen patriarch. But I threw it away after a while and forgot forgot it. Even the yarn I carried in it, carried it in, I eventually threw away and burnt this aversion is something which is part of the path and it leads to the blissful abidings and these blissful abidings are the first taste of the dhamma after you can experience some of these jhanas which is just a matter of time for each one of you again I keep on stressing in all these talks which I give it's a natural path you haven't got any choice in it the more you get involved, you just simply obstruct yourself obstruct the path just follow the instructions just allow these things to happen you're being conditioned the mind is doing this, not because that you decide to do so but all the areas down from the time of the Buddha it's their influence this is what happens eventually the nibbida arises and it gives rise to this, this freeing of the mind once you can develop this degree of nibbida, and the freedom which results from it you can also appreciate the Sutta which we just chanted which also mentions nibbida. in the sense that seeing that each one of these five khandhas not the upadana khandas, said just ordinary Rupa, Vedana, Sanya, Sankara and Vinyana and the consciousness. Each one of these, when it seems they truly are. There's Anicca, it's impermanent. Yampanani-chang, sorry, sukang tang whichever way around it is. Uh, These things are impermanent, what is impermanent? Is that dukkha or sukkha? It's dukkha. What is dukkha? Is that fit to be unchangeable? Is that fit to be regarded as me and mine, as a self? No Hetang Bhante, no Venerable Sir. Because it's Anicca, because it's anatta. it's a burden, Apadaya, Sangvatati. It turns towards being a great burden and affliction whether it's Rupa, whether it's Vedana, whether it's Sanya, whether it's Sankara, whether it's Vinyana each one of the five khandhas. and the Buddha doesn't make any bones about it when in the last section of that talk he says it doesn't matter what type of, of khandha, whether past, present or future Internal, external, gross or refined, far or near, all rupa, all vedana, all sanya, all sankhara, all vinyana, anicca dukkha anatta, impermanent, suffering, a pain, a boil, a dart. An anata, not me, not mine, not a self. And having seen this in that last beautiful passage, that the person feels nibida towards rupa, towards the body, and all the other material things. Feels nibida towards Vedana towards this aspect of every type of consciousness, every sense base, which is either pleasant or painful or in between. You've had the lot, you're fed up with a lot of it. You have no hope of just trying to control this Vedana, just to try and find pleasure and trying to limit the pain. You know that that's just a futile task, you just want to get rid of the whole of Vedana, all of the sense bases which produce Vedana. Remember from the Paticya Samuppadi's dependent origination, it's because of salayatana, the six sense bases. That's why we get pasa, that's why we get vedana. If you have a sense base, you've got to get vedana. And you're just dropping the whole lot. It's enough to feel nibbida towards vedana, nibbida towards perception, nibbida towards all sankhara. Nibbida towards consciousness itself. If you truly develop nibbida towards vinnana, then vinnana ceases. That's what happens. The result of nibbida is viraga, the fading away, niroda, ceasing of everything. That's why I, when I come across the word nibida it's just a, a beautiful word, a be- word which I carry around with me and reflect upon and use it as an attitude towards the stages in early meditation to develop like freedom. Do you want freedom? Do you want release? Or do you want to still be in the bonds of samsara, running around again and again and again. Fortunately, there are Aryans in the world, there are teachers who can encourage this Nibidā, which can encourage the freedom, the fading away of things and the Virāga. You've got nothing to lose, except defilements, except suffering. Only suffering exists and suffering passes away. It's about the room in time, it passed away. And that's the end of my talk. Has anyone got any comments or something to say about the talk this evening?